Well, good afternoon. Time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its suns away. They fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. Uh, these are Isaac Watts's uh, rendition uh, of the 90th Psalm, and a psalm that's very dear uh, to many of us. Well, let me add my welcome uh, to that of uh, Pastor Lawton, and uh, we come uh, today to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, and let me read it. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of a ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him that he will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter." Well, uh, this chapter, like much in Ecclesiastes, is not um, 
easy to understand. It's difficult to see the order or structure of what Solomon uh, is doing. But if you fly at 30,000 feet over this chapter, you will immediately um, see that he's drawing a, a differentiation between the wise and the foolish. There are words of wisdom and there are words of folly. There is a life of wisdom and there is a life of folly. And that reminds us, doesn't it, of much of Jesus' preaching. He talked about the wise man who builds his house upon a rock. And when the winds come and the rain comes, it stands. And he talked about a foolish man who built his house on sand And when the rains came and the wind blew, the house fell, and great was the effect of it. And that parable that Jesus tells is a summary, I think, of Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Now, I'm quite fond of the first verse of chapter 10, and let me read read it to you from the King James Version. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Dead flies. I have an ongoing issue with pantry moths. I think I've I've told you before, but it is still an issue. I came home yesterday, and there hadn't been one for maybe a couple of weeks, and I thought, we have won this battle, but lo and behold, there was one on the roof of the pantry, which I zapped immediately. There are dead pantry mouths all over the floor of my (laughs) pantry. And uh, it causes a stink. There's a fly in the ointment. That's where this comes from. A fly in the ointment. Now let um, let me walk through Ecclesiastes 10 with you. And seeing, first of all, in the first verse, the power of folly. One small moment of indiscretion can ruin a reputation. That's what he's saying. You can have wonderful ointment, but if there's a dead fly in it, it, you're not going to put it on your face or on the side of your neck. You're going to have to throw it out. There's a story that I came across of a man by the name of Dean Jones. Dean Jones was a famous Australian cricketer. He played cricket. Now, you don't know anything about cricket, but but all the Commonwealth countries of the British Empire... And that would be South Africa and Pakistan and India and Australia 
and New Zealand, uh, all of these countries play cricket. And Dean Jones became a commentator, like many um, sportsmen, once they reach, reach a, st- a certain age. Golfers, for, for example, when they reach a certain age, are often found on the Golf Channel commenting on the game. And Australia were playing uh, South Africa, and um, a man by the name of Hashim Amir, who was a Muslim, uh, caught the ball, and as in baseball, that meant he was out. And during the break, the commercial break, his microphone apparently was still on. There was a hot mic moment. And he said, the terrorist gets another wicket. And he was fired on the spot. He lost his job. A fly in the ointment. One small indiscretion can have huge consequences. Then secondly, in verses 2 and 3, the deception of folly. There are two paths. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but the fool, fool's heart to the left. Sounds like a, an indiscreet comment on left-handed people, but that's not what it's saying. There is a right way and a wrong way. There is a broad way and there's a narrow way. And that again reminds you of something that Jesus speaks of in the Sermon on the Mount. Note that he seems to be saying in these two verses, verses 2 and 3, several things. In verse 4, for example, folly can result in reckless behavior, foolhardy behavior. And he uses the example of a ruler who's angry against one of his workers. And the fool will respond immediately. Instead of walking away and calming down, he responds and he ignites it into a flame of fire. A more reasonable response would be better. It reminds us, doesn't it, of... um, Social media. People respond immediately with harsh and bitter and angry words. Making everything worse. Notice, too, that folly leads to an inverted world. He says in verse 5, there's an evil that I've seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I've seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. So folly leads to a kind of inverted world. Folly in politics. Oh dear. There are fools in high places. 
Well, I didn't, I didn't comment on yesterday. A world in which everything is questioned. Where gender is questioned, where you cannot answer the question, what is a woman, anymore. That right is wrong and wrong is right. Solomon saw this 3,000 years ago. And you and I see it every day. Folly in high places. And then in verses 8 and 9, folly can be harmful. You dig a pit and you fall into it. You dig a pit and you, you, perhaps to catch an animal and you put some branches on it. And then you forget and you, you fall into it. You break into a wall but on the other side there are snakes. You quarry stones and in the process you get injured. And you split logs. I have a scar here on my left index finger. It's about an inch long. It's right there. I was uh, five, and I was chopping wood with a blunt axe. And I missed the... the, I I was holding... I missed the wood, and I... It could have been worse. My mother said I would be fine. I wasn't taken to ER, I have no stitches in it, she put a bandage on it, and eventually it healed. I had no antibiotics, nothing. It's okay for you to feel sorry for me. (laughs) Solomon is simply saying this is a dangerous world. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Get wisdom. Then in verses 10 and 11, he seems to be giving us the remedy for folly. And he uses two images. One is using, well, let's let's look at it, verse 10. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. How many of you have diced tomatoes? You have to slice them and then do this kind of thing and then you chop them. My knife cuts are good. But if you don't sharpen that knife, you're going to use more force to try and get through that tomato. And I have cut myself more than once. So the first thing I do is I sharpen the knife. And then, in verse 11, snake charming. It's not a thing for me. I don't like snakes. Your next senior minister has a pet snake. When you think of visiting him in his home... You, you need to know that there's a snake in the house. <laughs> it belongs to, I think, his daughter. 
There's no way I would sleep in a house with a snake. I don't care. I don't care what kind of snake this is. If it's, even if it's a non-venomous, I do not want to be anywhere near them. And the whole process of snake charming. Obviously, it was a thing for Solomon, and obviously it was a thing for Solomon's readers that they were in the Middle East familiar enough with snake charmers. But the point that he's trying to get is, get wisdom. Wisdom helps one to succeed, verse 10. Be wise. Be wise. Then in verses 12 through 15, he talks about words. The words of the fool. And... The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? Words. There are words of encouragement, and there are words of counsel. And there are words of comfort. And there are words of admonishment. And there are words of discouragement. And condemnation. And anger and bitterness. There are wise words and foolish words. And James takes that up. And he talks about words, the tongue, like the rudder of a big ship. And that little rudder can... Turn that ship in either direction. It's just a small little piece of wood. But it has enormous power. My mother used to say to me, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. And she was wrong. (laughs) I didn't believe it then and I don't believe it now. angry, bitter words that have been said against you 50 years ago, and you still remember them. Only the gospel can erase that memory and heal that broken wound. The fool thinks that he has all the answers. And the wise person sometimes will say, I don't know. But God does. And I trust him. So the wise person sits and listens to God. And spends and speaks words of wisdom. And then... From verse 16 to the end, he describes particular kinds of fools. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child. Oh dear. When those in high office and the greatest office is a child. And your princes feast in the morning. In other words, they're getting drunk in the morning. They're indulging themselves in the morning instead of in the evening. 
fools that are indulgent, fools that are incompetent. Verse 18, through sloth, the roof sinks in. And through indolence, the house leaks. Sorry, Barbara, this isn't for you. A leaky house. Because of incompetence. It's just a picture. It's just an image. Fools that are indifferent. Verse 19. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. That's the way of the fool. Let us eat, drink and be merry because tomorrow we die. And in verse 20. The fool that is indiscreet. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. A little bird told me. Right, so there, there are two aphorisms in Ecclesiastes 10. Um, a fly in the ointment, and a little bird told me. And those aphorisms we use, both of them on a fairly regular basis, basis, I think, and and perhaps we're not aware that they actually come from Ecclesiastes chapter 10. So, what is Solomon trying to say in his curious little way? Get wisdom. The New Testament refers to Jesus as the wisdom of God. Jesus encapsulates the wisdom of God. And the wise person builds his life on Jesus, who is wise. On on the solid rock. And when the winds come and the rain comes, that house will stand. The folly of the powers that be, and Solomon knows all about it. There are fools in government. There are fools directing and ordering our lives. There are fools who are calling into question the very fabric of what is right and wrong, what is true and false. And it will crumble. It will fall to the ground. And the wise person looks to Jesus and to Jesus only. For there is wisdom. He will teach you. He will show you. He will direct you every step of the way to glory. Well, that's Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for the wisdom of which Solomon speaks. Thank you for the Jesus to whom it points. And we, we come to you, Lord Jesus, today. We rest in you. We want to be your servants. Teach us. Mold us, shape us, watch over us, guard us, protect us.
as we make our way as pilgrims in a barren land, we ask, Father, that your wisdom would guide and direct us every step of the way. The one who trusts in the Lord Jesus is a wise person. And we pray that everyone in this building today, in the sound of this voice, would truly be wise and not a fool. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen.